Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It's fairly well established that children who come from poor backgrounds often find it difficult to escape those circumstances. That's something our next guest wants to change and is actively working to do so. She was born in Jennings with a very early ambition to become a doctor. As an African-American and female, opportunities were scarce and there was not much encouragement to succeed. Nonetheless, today, Dr. Ashley Denmark is a family medicine physician with the BJC Medical Group with a commitment to encourage young people to follow their dreams as she did hers. She's also written a book on the subject titled Olivia's Doctor Adventures. She joins me in studio. Doctor, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me today. You have a great story. Thank you. Thank you. Just let's start by telling how difficult your, your path was. Well, my path to becoming a doctor has been a difficult one. I think often we know that there's just not enough minorities in the medical field right now. And so I didn't see representation of a black female physician growing up. Uh, But I took on that challenge and I kept working for my goal and did numerous activities when I was just even a kid here. I used to spend my summers in Rolla uh, going down to do science programs or I was at BJC working in the surgery unit. Uh, So I took on that challenge and even as I uh, decided to go to college at Spelman College in Atlanta. I uh, found that even challenges because of my academic background um, coming from the Jenny School District. I wasn't always given the enriching opportunity sometimes, but I overcame that. And I am here today to stand before you as Dr. Denmark. So. Well, and good for you. But you were you were actually discouraged, were you not, as a, as a youngster from even thinking about doing this? I was. I was. Um, when I told people you know, I have always had this ambition of becoming a physician. And when I told them that, they kind of either laughed or told me, well, you don't have any money, you're from Jennings. Uh, But I was determined to overcome that. Um, Now, I didn't have all the hindsight or foresight I have now uh, when I was a child. uh, But I think I definitely have overcome and persevered to become a physician. You're also a little bit different in, with your interest in science. We've talked many times in this program about the fact that young people today, uh, many of them, are not really interested in, in heading in that direction, as important as it is. It's very important, and I think that starts off at an early age. I think, again, if you don't give children opportunities to have those experiences, see how wonderful it is to learn about science or math or any of the STEAM uh, fields, then that will kind of carry with them. They may not have that interest as they get older. It's hard to kind of put that interest there once they get beyond a certain age. And so that's why I wanted to come in and create my book, Olivia's Doctor Adventures, to try to get them to start thinking about, you know what, you can become a doctor. Let's start talking about this, start having these conversations now. How important, we'll talk about the book in a moment, certainly, but how important is it for a youngster to to see role models that look like them. I mean, we hear that expression a lot. It's so mm. important because that's how you can't become what you can't see. And it becomes very difficult. And so it's very important that they see someone who is in these positions, in these roles, and that they look like them because they know it's possible. When you don't see it, they feel like, well, Is it really something I can do? Is it a possibility? And I think we have to keep trying to put more people in those positions. You use an expression, uh, normalize success, which I think is Mm. very simple but eloquent in its own way. Yes. Yes, normalize success. Like normalize the fact that you can become a physician. Put these uh, 
opportunities on the table for these children. So we have to continue to normalize this thought that, yes, you can do it. And if you normalize it, then it will become something that, you know, it's not an anomaly to see me walk into a room mm. today. Do you think that uh, youngsters, and, and, and maybe you know through your own experience, uh, at some point feel like they're, they're trapped in their environment, and if they don't see the role models or they don't see people that look like them, that they at some point begin to think, I'm here for the rest of time. It can feel like a feeling like feeling trapped. I know I felt that way at times. I, When I was coming through my journey, I had to do a lot of odd jobs. I tell people, you know, my first job with BJC wasn't, you know, being a physician. I was in the basement working in food service on the assembly line. So you can feel trapped at times. And, you know, not having the resources, not having the access to money, the mentors. So it, it can feel like a trapped situation. But my message to children and, and people who are aspiring to become physicians that keep trying to work around those obstacles, keep trying to find a way, keep opening doors, um, and, and to try to avoid feeling that trap feeling. But I've been there, and I know it can be difficult. Yep. It sounds like you're saying you have to be fairly aggressive about it. Yeah, be aggressive and just be flexible about how you get there. You know, becoming a physician is not a linear process. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are. But you have to be flexible how you're getting there and understand that, you know what, you may have to go a different route to become a physician. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And that's the part I want to normalize because I didn't go straight to med school. I, you know, I got my master's. I did a post-bac program. I worked at CVS. I worked at Macy's. I worked Mm -hmm. at a grocery store. Um, But it's important to know that, you know, that you're going to reach your goal if you keep pushing forward. Yeah, and we should point out that you became a physician because that's what you wanted to do. Yes. But the kinds of things you're talking about apply to to any ambition. Yes, any ambition you have. It doesn't just have to be a physician. It could be nursing. It could be lawyer. It could be any goal, teacher. It will always be a difficult journey, but you must always try to be flexible about how your road is to get there, but know that you will reach your goal. How about the role your parents played in all of this? What was that? My parents were always supportive. I, I could tell them I want to go to the moon, and they would support me. My dad was a construction worker for the local union here in St. Louis. My mom worked for the State Department of Missouri in licensed daycares, and we lived in juniors our whole life. And I never knew that I, I was in an underprivileged community. I never knew. Like, they always just gave me everything I needed. Sounds pretty middle class to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and And how did they support you? Just always to support me. Like, you know, if I need to go, like I said, drive me to Rala, drive me to BJC if I was doing an internship, pick me up from work. You know, they will support my dreams when I was getting my master's, when I didn't get straight into med school. You know, they are always just encouraged me, uplifted me. My father just always, you know, told me that I could do it. You know, every my mom does such a big role in just encouragement. And that's what our children need. They need encouragement from the people in our community, their teachers, their parents, to always just uplift them. Yeah. And... In, in growing up, obviously you had the ambition which you have since, since, realized, since realized, but uh, how did that upbringing and the awareness of your environment, of the, of the poor people in the neighborhood, for instance, or wherever, how did that inform your, your work as a physician? I think it helps me relate because I've always channeled back to when I was growing up in those communities. And, you know, when a patient doesn't have money or when a patient is not compliant, I try to really delve into 
Why are they not complying? Why are they not taking the medications? Why are they not showing up to their transportation issues? So I really feel like my background of growing up in genius has really helped me become a compassionate physician and understanding and try to meet my patient where they are so I can better help and serve them. I'm going to take a break now. We're talking with Dr. Ashley Denmark, and we're talking about uh, her upbringing and her ambition to become a doctor, an ambition that she obviously has realized, and she's also written a book to help kids uh, who maybe need a little prodding to uh, to follow their dreams as well. Back in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. And welcome back to our conversation with uh, Dr. Ashley Denmark. We're talking about um, her growing up and realizing her ambition to become a physician, which she did, and successfully so. How about your, your, your journey in terms of how people treated you as you got older? Well, I think I received different types of treatment. When I got more entrenched into becoming a doctor, I think people were more receptive to the idea that I was going to become a physician once mm-hmm. I got into med school. I think my journey before getting to med school was the most hardest part because a lot of people just could not fathom that I could get into med school. So I think that was the hardest part of my journey. But once I got into medical field, I felt like people were more accepting of the idea of, yes, Ashley's going to become a physician. Mm-hmm. So, And you're a family physician, correct? Yes, I am. Family yeah. medicine. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your book now. Okay. Uh, Olivia, that's a name that you didn't have to uh, search for very hard. Not was very it? hard. <laughs> tell, tell us about Olivia. So Olivia is my oldest daughter. She, um, my interesting story that um, about my journey to medical school, I got accepted to medical school, and I was found out two uh, two days later I was pregnant with my daughter Olivia. So I started medical school nine months pregnant, and so she's been with me at every piece of this journey into mm-hmm. becoming Dr. Denmark. And my daughter became ill uh, when she was three. She started having seizures and wound up needing brain surgery. And through that experience, she became interested in medicine. And she's okay now and everything's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but she really just wanted to know, what did mommy do all day? Who are the doctors you speak to? Mm-hmm. And so that was our conversations. And through that, came this book, Olivia Doctor Adventures, mm-hmm. where she put in my head, like, hey, you can write this book. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And I kind of put her off, but I eventually did do it. So here we are today. Well, well tell us what's included in the book, how, how your system works. So my system works is that <clears throat> it's based off my family a little bit, just how when I come in. And then it kind of starts off a conversation between me and my daughter, Olivia. And through this conversation, I tell about different kinds of doctors because she's inquiring all the time about what doctors I talk to. So I talk about neurosurgeons and anesthesiologists and pulmonologists mm-hmm. and just different doctors in the field of medicine that, again, sparking the idea of the children that, hey, these are the different doctors available and you can be one of them too. Mm-hmm. Your, your work in the medical field is obviously important. Uh, and we talk about kids achieving ambition. 
One of the things that occurs to me in connection with all of this is access to health care in yes. poorer communities. Yes. Do you deal with that at all? Yes, I did, mm-hmm. especially, and I did most of my training in med school in South Carolina, which has a profound uh, lack of access to this primary care in general. Um, and it's, I think it's a nationwide problem, of course, that we know about. But I think, again, as physicians, we continue to collaborate and trying to find ways to be the bridge to get access to medical care to those communities, whether we're doing free clinics or trying to go back and get people to your area. I want to get the audience into the conversation. They'd like to talk to Dr. Denmark. You can give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a, a tweet at STL on air. Back to this idea of medicine, uh, medical opportunities in, in poorer communities. This looks like it's going to be a subject uh, in the forthcoming political campaign. A number of the candidates are talking about uh, universal health care, Medicare for all, that sort of thing. Uh, as someone in the field, does that have any appeal to you? Well, I, I think, honestly, I, I can't speak on the logistics on how Medicare for All will work. I think what we need to do, though, is bring more physicians to the table to try to bring us more into what we need to provide for our patients. I think, unfortunately, a lot of po- politicians are involved, but not enough physicians are at the table where we can give our input about how to best service our, our patients. Because as a physician, I deal with daily with dealing with insurance and things like that and rejection, trying to get my patients their medication. And I think our voice is not being heard at the table. So I'm very proud of some of the physician moms I know who have stepped up to the plate and have become some leaders in the political field now. So, Would it, would it make it easier for you as a physician if, in fact, there, you, you got rid of some of that paperwork? Of not, course. Not that, Medi- <laughs> not that Medicare is without paperwork, that's, that's for sure. Of course. If there was less paperwork, yes. I mean, understandably so. And I understand there is some reason for some of the paperwork, but a lot of that hinders some of our care from providing uh, effective care to our patients when we're having to kind of sift through the red tape a little bit. But again, I think if we had more of a voice from physicians, it would make a bigger impact on how we would give health care to the country. Well, I don't want to get political with you, but, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. but let's but let's talk, go back to the kids. Uh, I'm sure you talk to kids. Uh, in connection with your book yes. and with the things that you're trying to do. What kinds of questions do they ask you? A wide variety. <laughs> I would assume that. I, yeah. I, I think the biggest question is like, you know, you know, how did you become a doctor? How long does it take to become a doctor? The classic questions. I think the biggest question I also hear is like, how much money? <laughs> That's what they always say. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest question is just, again, how can I become like you? How do I do that? Do I go to school? What do I need to do right now? Um, I mentor on the side. I have a, a IG community called Project Diversified Medicine, and I mentor uh, about 16,000 aspiring physicians every day in some mm. way. And on the weekend, I'm mentoring them through live streams. And the most common questions, like a high school will be like, what do I need to do right now to become a physician? So I think the biggest thing I tell them is to make sure that you're studying and learning how to study and make sure you're getting those experiences in the summertime to become a physician. Right. Let's take a call. We okay. have uh, Ken wants to join us. He's calling from St. Louis, so let's bring him in. Ken, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Don. Hi. Uh, this is Ken Haller. Um, oh, hi, I'm Ken. I'm really glad <laughs> I'm really happy, glad you have your guests on the show. As you know, I'm a pediatrician in town. And I also take care of a, a population that is largely underserved and largely African-American. I am a white guy, so my narrative with my patients is different than your guests. Uh, but, and the thing is that it's really important for all of us, no matter who we are, 
to say to these children, I see power in you, I see ability in you, I see from where I stand as someone with power that you have this power too, and I want to do what I can to help you achieve that, achieve whatever goal you want to achieve. Thanks, thanks, Ken, for calling. Thank you. I, I definitely agree. I think we all have to get behind every child who, and just let them know that this is a possibility. So I think no matter where you are, what environment you're from, I think we have to stand behind children everywhere and let them know that this is something they can achieve. Uh, we're talking about black children, white children, yellow yes. children, all the all the rest of it. Yes, and I agree wholeheartedly. And I focus a lot on the minority just because of the mm. recent stats right now that shows that of our medical school enrollment, it's only 6.8% are black versus really? 58% white. So that's where a lot of that come from. Yeah. I, I have a figure here saying about 2% of the physicians in, in America are black women. Yes, so. that's, a true, that's a true stat. So of the 850,000 uh, physicians in the country, only 17,000 re- look like me. Mm-hmm. So that's where my position comes from. Yeah. What about the role of, of teachers? I mean, you can't reach everybody, and teachers deal, are dealing with kids every day. Mm-hmm. H- how do you see their role? I think they play a very important role. I think they play as a role for opportunity to motivate and inspire children, to guide them in the right direction, um, and to kind of be that person who believes in their dream. Because I had some teachers who were in my corner who believed in my dream. And when I said I was going to go from Spelman from Jennings, you know, a lot of people laughed. But Miss Thompson and Miss McAfee, those are my teachers who believed in me and said, you can do it. And they didn't laugh. And so teachers have a very important role mm-hmm. in motivating uh, their students to make sure that they're staying on track and giving them that 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 overwhelming love to let them know that they can do it. Was there ever a point in, in, in all of this in which you said, I can't do it? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many points that I wanted to quit. There were so many points that I didn't think I would make it. Um, I think, I mean, I was studying for my medical admission test at Jamestown Mall at Macy's at one point, and I wanted to quit because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. But again, I had to keep coming back to the fact that I, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it no matter what, and I have to keep going for it. What about your Olivia? You say she's very curious. and. Uh, <laughs> Is she going to follow in mom's footsteps, would you think? She fluctuates back and forth. She says someday she'll be a lawyer, other days like daddy, and then other days uh-huh. she wants to be like mommy and be a doctor. But right now she's on doctor. <laughs> and that's just that's just fine with you. It is right now. Yes, it is. What else can you tell me about the kids that you've talked to and uh, the, the questions they ask and the response to the book and to you? I think for them it's, been very positive feedback because they're seeing a black female physician, especially I spent the last seven years in South Carolina and there's just not a lot of black female physicians out there. And when they see me, they're like, wow, you have curly hair and you look like me and it's amazing. Mm. And I want to be like you. And how can I walk in your footsteps? And so I just love to kind of be in that position to kind of guide them and be that role model for them in that way. What about the role models provided on television these days? How, how do you see that? I mean, there's, there's quite a variety of, uh, of models and stereotypes. I think there is a certain stereotype that's perpetuated in our communities. And I understand that, you know, we have really great entertainers and really great sports players. But I think we need to make room for another narrative and say that children can become 
physicians or lawyers or anything else outside of that realm because it's fine to aspire to become into the entertainment world but I think we need to start opening up the narrative and broadening that opportunities for our children that hey this is another great path for you I think Myron Roll was a football player is now turned a neurosurgeon Mm -hmm. so I think that's just a great narrative to have out there. How about your colleagues how are they reacting to what you're doing because you've gotten some attention you've gotten there's (laughs) been a lot written about you you've been on television and you've been on the radio Yes, yes, yes. They're very supportive. My colleagues are very supportive. They're very, they love uh, what I'm doing. They love the mission I have, and they want to support me in any way they can. So it's been very supportive, especially at BJC. So very supportive. If you had it to do over again, uh, what would you do differently? I don't think anything. I think every part of my journey has led me to where I am and has made me who I am. So I don't regret any second of struggle or any second of moment of my journey. I would do it all over again just the same way. Well, you've got the book, and uh, you're getting some attention. Where do you take it from here? How do you ex- how do you expand this, try to reach even more young people? Well, I am... So my short-term girls right now is I'm working on a curriculum for Olivia's Doctor Ventures to kind of partner with it. They start introducing into the schools and to a home-based kit to bring you know, medical-related activities to children, to their home, and also giving them opportunities at school to learn about it. So right now we're partnering with City Garden for their career day. Um, I'll be working with them and teaching them a surgical scrub-in that will be related to Olivia's Doctor Adventures mm-hmm. book. But, again, just doing activities for them. Any, any means by reaching parents? We talked about the important role they play. Yes, I'm looking to host a parent workshop or train some sort of parent workshop for them so they can learn how they can inspire and motivate their children to become, if this is what they want to do, how can they continue to motivate them? Because I think it starts at home, just like with my parents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, going back to the importance of, of parents and teachers and and, mm-hmm. and the church. Yes, the church. Uh, again, church I think it takes a village to be create a doctor. It takes everyone, you know, whether you're a neighbor, whether you're a friend in your church community. I think it's very important that you have someone here who can motivate you, inspire you, and that you just need so much support and love in your journey because it can be very just tear you down. And so I think it's very important to have people surround you and love on you at the same time. Is there any portion of your book that, that you could read for us now that would give us a, an example of, of, the, of, of your language and the way you're approaching these youngsters? Okay, sure, sure, sure. sure. I will read a little the, the, illust- the illustrations, by the way, as you're looking for something, are excellent. <laughs> yes. Who is, who is the artist? Uh, so Mike Motts, he is the one who did the illustrations and put the book together for me. And he worked with a, a couple other physicians as well. Um, so that's how I found out about him. Okay, well, let's find something that uh, you think would be typical okay. of, of, your, uh, of your message. Okay. Obstetrician gynecologists take care of babies and women. They help take care of moms when they are carrying your brother or sister in their belly and help deliver them into the world. They also help make sure women like your mom, aunt, or grandmother stay healthy. So as you indicated, you're explaining the it's various jobs. Various that jobs, various yeah. jobs. And you can be an ophthalmologist. They are also called eye doctors. And they take care of your eyes if you have trouble seeing or have an injury to your eyes. They also check your eyes for different diseases. So just kind of giving a simple breakdown of what to expect. You're gearing this for what age group? Well, I, the age group I've been seeing is four and up, but I can see this youth in junior high as well because, again, you're still exposing them to different fields of medicine that they wouldn't be otherwise exposed to. 
you, know, you get a kid who's 14 or 15 years old, they're already, you know, at, at great risk, greater risk, aren't they? Because they uh, have, they're older. Yeah, they're older. There's a lot of peer pressure. A lot of things are going on. But again, my goal, I'm already working with uh, Jeannie's Junior High. I've already been back to my own personal junior high, and mm-hmm. I've been working with them uh, for two different events and trying to get them inspired and motivated and talked about Olivia Doctor Adventures. So. What, when do you have time to do all of this? You're, you're a busy doctor. <laughs> Um, actually, this is kind of, uh, this is my slow pace. When I was in South Carolina, I used to commute two hours a day. My husband used to commute four hours a day. So now that we're in St. Louis in a big city, this is kind of a slower pace for us. So we work together to try to make these things happen for the community. What In your work, in, in your day job, as it were, what what are your big challenges? Where, where are you? You're with BJC. Where are you physically? I am in Sunset Hills area mm. off of 3844 South Lindbergh, uh, and I am in the outpatient building for MOBAPS. So mm. in my day, I start at 8 o'clock, and it ends around 4 o'clock. Uh, the biggest challenge, I think, is just making sure all my patients have all the medications and making sure they can get to me. I have a huge North County following, so mm. I try to make sure I get them taken care of as well. So. People in North County are, are traveling all the way to Sunset Hills to all see you. Way, all the way. It's yeah. amazing. Like, they find me, you know, like, we heard about you and coming to see you. And it's been so amazing to see how many people from North County drive to see me. You, you've had this ambition and this dream since you were a toddler almost. <laughs> uh, is it everything that you thought it would be? I mean, sometimes dreams can can uh, can disappoint you. This one hasn't disappointed me. I, I, I feel like, you know, of course, with some note taking, yeah, that's the frustrating thing. But honestly, this dream has been everything because I feel like I can make such a huge impact at, at a bigger level. And I get to take care of people in different ways. So mm-hmm. in the in the clinic and in the community. How is the uh, your husband reacting to uh, to all of this? He's always been supportive. We've been together for 15 years, and he's always supported me from the days where he, he packed me up to, to drive onto my mini journey. So he's always been very supportive of me. It seems like you've always had somebody to pack you up and drive you someplace. Always. <laughs> <laughs> that is the key. <laughs> One of our producers wants me to ask you, uh, how does the way the medical profession is portrayed in TV compare, compare to real-life doctoring? Not real life at all. No. <laughs> I think um, we're more patient-centered. We're not entailed in all the dramas I think you see portrayed on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the medical stuff they do is not accurate. <laughs> so mm-hmm. When they're intubating someone, I'm like, that's not how you do it, but mm-hmm. okay. So, and Going back to those 14-year-olds that you talk to from time to time, and the questions the young ones ask, what about the questions the, the uh, eighth graders are asking as opposed to the third graders? I think the biggest questions they're asking is more like, you know, is it something I really can do? That's the biggest question. Like, is it possible for me to really go to school for eight years or more? Mm-hmm. Is What does that feel like? You know, is this reward really as great as you say it is? So that's really, they're trying to really wrap their minds around, is mm-hmm. it something I really can do? A child is more like, you know, what do you do for a living? But they're like, can I really do this? Uh, are the eighth graders really seriously thinking about the future? Or are they more thinking about hormones? <laughs> The ones I've talked to have been very focused, and then they've been really just interested in like knowing how can they better themselves, and they seem really interested about writing a book as well. So, okay, and where is the book available? It's available on Amazon.com, or you can check us out at our website www.oliviadoctoradventures.com.
We'll put a link to that in our website, sdlpublicradio.org. And I understand that you're making it available free for people who need it. Is that true? Yes, I do sometimes at times. uh, You reach out to me and we'll help you out with organizations. Okay, once again, we'll put that website link on our website at sdlpublicradio.org. Dr. Ashley Denmark, thank you so much for being with us. Congratulations on what you're doing and all the accomplishments that you've achieved so far. Thank you so much. It's a great story, and uh, you you never stand so tall as when you bend to help a child, correct? Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.